Hello there, I'm Tim and he's John and this is How to Murder Time, a podcast about games and things. Hello everybody. Watcher. Another week. It's another more week. More games, more things. Things. you got some things. No, I just went places. <laughs> games <laughs> and things, I suppose. No, I did stuff. All right, yeah. cool. Uh, I'm going to talk about Stellaris. Are you? I finally got around to it. I got, I, well, I played it and dabbled with it a bit and got it a while back in some Steam sale. Or, I don't know when I got it. Had it a while, but I've really just suddenly gone for it this time uh i've been playing it more or less solidly in my spare time <laughs> this last week uh it's fantastic so it's your, it's your sort of classical master of orion style space empire expansion management yeah. uh, large scale sweeping canvas and it's it is really good it's really um sort of the the, the look and feel of it all is is really top-notch the sort of aesthetics of it all and it really captures my imagination because i love that kind of large scale science fiction space opera empires into the future type thing huge fan of uh, asimov's foundation series and there's yeah. sort of that there's that kind of feel there's a bit touch of star maker there i mean it really is the sort of largest scale scope you get for the uh, empire management game that's out there i think and I'm really enjoying it. It's quite tricky. It's quite hard work. Um, yes, so I sort of fired it all up and uh, immediately picked, yeah, okay, we'll go human. And it's uh, you get two options as human, which is Ooh. interesting. There's lots and lots of races. It's all, I think it might procedurally generate the uh, creatures from some weird weird art scripts yeah. and stuff. So it looks quite interesting. Um, but yes, I thought, all right, we'll, pick, we'll, we'll, go with, we'll go with humans. I've got some experience with those. Um, and yeah, you've got two options there. So I went with the, the blue ones. There's blue humans and red humans. Uh-huh. So you got the uh, United Nations of Earth with the big blue banner and the sort of you know United Nations logo and symbol Fair and everything, enough. and they they've got all sorts of uh, humans are great and charismatic and 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 you know we love aliens and and it's all great and groovy and Federation and so on, lots of those sorts of traits. Uh, and I thought, yeah, this is it. This is the utopian future I've been dreaming of, and I'm probably never going to see in my own lifetime. Uh, and yeah, so you sort of settle down. You start um, you start off with science ships, construction ships, uh, and the usual naval fleets. Um, various star bases and planets each star system has multiple planets within it which is okay. a nice level of detail and of course each planet is is some of them are habitable some of them aren't and some of them have different habitable ranges that depends on your species so you can you've got that leads into all the terraforming stuff um yeah you start on earth which apparently is where the humans come from uh, and you've got the surface area of, of each planet where you can build the different structures as well. And yeah. it, it's very much that sort of resource management game. It's the ratios, it's the production, the, 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 the amount of food, the amount of minerals, the amount of energy credits, which are your cash. And trying to keep that all balanced, you know, basically trying to be as productive as possible while still being able to pay for it all. Yeah. And that's usually my big problem. That is the sort of the core... Like real life. It's the core game loop in these sorts of games. And I, I almost in, invariably just go mad with the expansion at the start and then realise I can't afford any of it and have to start dismantling it again that happened again uh. yes of course while i was mucking about with that See, I, you, you you have a big... Uh, the, the galaxy map's fantastic. It is this great big zoomed-out thing with very futuristic-looking fonts on it and big coloured areas of different empires with their symbols on it. It's a very, very good-looking game. Um, and, yeah, I started to expand, and then I, I got confused, I think, with habitable worlds. And you can build these things called frontier... So, obviously, your worlds generate influence out on the map as yeah. a sort of coloured area, but you can build space stations, frontier outposts, which sort of also extend your area of reach as well. Because I was having a real trouble trying to work out how to get my next colony and it turns out you have to do a bit of work with you know various technologies and do lots of scouting yeah so i thought oh well i can expand my empire with these uh, these frontier outposts but they they carry a really quite hefty sort of uh, resource penalty to stop you going mad with them yeah. um what if you Put one down, mm. put down the other colony, and then destroy yeah, that one. Yeah, but I wasn't... I, I, I think I got a bit unlucky with the scouting initially, because you use your science vessels to survey all these yeah. other star systems, and you can't really settle there until you've found the planets in them, obviously. And also that tells you what sorts of resources these systems have got. You can build mining outposts to, to sort of capitalise on the local resources, even without a planet in there. But, um, yeah, I think something went wrong because I ended up... Um, <laughs> Earth turned out to end up right pressed against the border of the neighbouring empire who, ah. did, who didn't like me much. <laughs> they, they got a jump on the couple of ha borderline hab yeah. habitable planets in between me and them uh, while I was off elsewhere. So that, that led the... Uh, and th and they, did, they weren't really responding to diplomacy. I'm very much a, a fan of why can't we all get along and um, we can't get along, it no. turns out. The, the, the diplomacy is quite developed and involved in Stellaris. It's, it's a lot more intricate than just, you know declare war, trade pact, non-aggression treaty, that sort of thing. You've got all sorts of different other options in there. Things like uh, declare rivalry. Oh. 
which is an interesting concept. What that does is that basically it's, it's a very sort of modern propaganda type uh, concept in that you just declare these aliens as rivals amongst to your own people. And so basically it, it, it really dents the, your relations with them because you're basically making them out to be the big propaganda yeah. enemy, but really boosts your own internal <laughs> uh, influence generation amongst your own people. You're basically making them out to be the boogeyman to help yeah. to sort of keep your own empire together. There's, um, there's very sort of minor things like insult, which will just, you know, lower the uh, trick, trick them into, sort of goad them into sort of more rash actions and so on. Um, but what they've got, they've got an interesting thing with um, sort of vassals and uh, underdeveloped primitive civilizations. You know the whole sort of prime directive thing? I'm aware of it. Yeah, prime directive, schmective. What you do is you set up observation posts around these primitive worlds, and then you can study them passively and keep in the good Starfleet tradition and gain a few research points from society research. Sounds good thing, yeah. Well, you can go quite... uh, You can aggressively (laughs) hegemonise them, just go in and start showing off as uh, big magical space overlords and uh, basically develop them up as a vassal um, dependent species. I like it. Let's mm. do that. Yes, or you could just bomb them into the Stone Age as well, even if they're already in the Stone Age. The problem with that is it removes their precious resources. Well, yeah, but you can do it in a sort of beneficent prime directive tinkering as well. You can basically accelerate their growth by sort of um, developing up their technology to the to Steam Age and then Space Age, sort of forcing them really quickly into, into sort of... Have you considered uh, boiling the water? Well, exactly, yeah. Try, try, try. Have you considered putting the steam engine which you have on the rails which you have, and I'm aiming <laughs> that at the Greeks? Uh-huh. They had steam technology and railways. Mm. Well, anyway, um, yeah, so you can grow them up as sort of vassal states, and eventually, well, if, you're, steam, if you're sort of a, a, a friendly type of overlord, you can grant them their own independence. They become a whole new empire, and off they go. Um, yeah, and so there's lots of ways to sort of get along with your neighbours, and I was trying that, but um, I think what you, what happened was that I got involved in in a, in a mutual defence arrangement that I probably shouldn't have done oh, uh, and, th- and then the other lot declared war on people and asked me to help and then I've t- I tooled up and as soon as I tooled up and started building battles battleship well destroyers and things the <coughs> the the uh, quite frosty neighbor who was right yeah. against my home world just declared war on me and stomped my home <laughs> world and they all came in and it started bombing and I thought, oh no I've lost earth it's like you know boom 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 little... oh, no, yes I thought I could keep going here but I think I'll just stop playing there so you, you left them all I did I, I you what... abandoned them. <laughs> I resigned as well leader and then just sort of hid somewhere <laughs> um yes so yeah that didn't go well so, so i start start a new game which i'm playing at the moment this time i've gone with the red human empire this okay. is the commonwealth of man who come with a, a huge so raft like the of brotherhood of man and have i done that joke before and i have almost certainly before, perhaps yeah. a couple of times yeah. but um they they come with the red color scheme they got a sort of winged eagle as their logo it's so they all wear these like quite gray uniforms you know very <laughs> they are basically the empire they come with a whole raft of xenophobia traits that uh, you can leverage to make your empire powerful at the cost of diplomacy uh, and i decided to to explore all the war stuff the wars are interesting so instead of just you know oh we're at war off we go and you just keep fighting until you're bored or you win or you lose that you've got these concept of uh, during when the wars when you declare war or when wars declared against you you have this whole concept of a war score okay which basically means Are you that, good at war? <laughs> no, well, exactly. How can it know? This is how you tell it. So you can basically declare a whole set of objectives is what you want out of this war, what you're going to try and okay. do. So, yeah, you pick a load of planets or you can just go for a humiliation or whatever. You know, you, you pick a load of different things that are relevant to the game and say, this is what I'm trying to do. And Is one of the things that you can pick make me look strong at home? Yes, yeah. I think one of them does have essentially that effect. I think that's what the insult the enemy option is. It basically makes me look strong at home yeah it gives you influence points which are power or your hiring leaders or expanding colonies and that sort of thing um but yes but because that then allows so that's a double-edged sword i think because on the one hand okay you have declared i'm going to do all these things so the enemy knows pretty much where your fleets are aiming at. yep but on the other hand that gives the the game's ai some really concrete sort of trigger points to decide if it can if it wants ah. to surrender or how well is it doing because then once you've declared this war score you then offer you go you fight you start working towards it there's a little sort of symbol in the corner which is measuring how how well you're doing against your declared objectives. what if you massively overachieve well they have their they have object, objectives on their side as well they both sides declare some objectives no matter who starts the war 
and the more ob- objectives you've you've completed and the less they've completed the more it, the more heft you've got on the negotiation tab okay which basically means that you it's a much more nuanced thing than i have killed all your planets are you going to surrender yet i mean often the sort of the idea of the ai opponent surrendering in one of these games in the past has been quite a random thing with perhaps some weighting factors based on some sort of psychological this this leader is pacifist this leader yeah. is a yeah. warmonger whereas this you've got some actual concrete stats to show who's doing well by their own criteria and who's not doing will and then you can bring that to the negotiation tab and, and demand they surrender and if you're doing much better than they are then they're more likely to do so it's, oh, a, it's quite a clever idea yeah it really grants a sort of nuance to the overall inter interplanetary conflict you usually see in this sort of game i, I quite like it i haven't really done any wars much yet <laughs> I, I, I had one where they declared on me and then immediately their first move was to drop the doom stack on earth okay so i gave up yeah that was that's an abandoned game i might try again as the happy clappy we like everyone type human faction again and see if it can be made to work but a lot of it depends on how close you are to other empires and whether they're fanatical xenophobes or whether they like getting along with people as well so there's a certain randomness yeah. to it but so I'm yeah I'm currently playing the red Sto- the red space uh, space empire. Um, we hate all the aliens. We're going to conquer the universe type faction, and that's quite hard work because I suddenly find myself and I don't know if this is in response to how I'm playing or whether it's just because the game is quite hard and or I'm unlucky. But I find myself looking on the diplomacy tab, you big old list of encountered alien races, and there's a relative strengths column, yeah. and I'm the weakest thing in the whole galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> but, so basically, I'm this really sort of shouty, angry, fighty empire that's much weaker than everyone else in the galaxy. Who are all quite peaceful and are forming a federation and stuff, you know? <laughs> are they by any chance forming a federation? Because it's this really annoying. No, race. no. A lot of these, a lot of these other empires uh, are much more, more powerful than me, but are pacifistic, spiritualistic explorer types, <laughs> you know, according to the psychological breakdown. So I've got almost nothing to fear from them, but they've got nothing to fear from me for quite a long time. So <laughs> I find myself getting into this sort of infrastructural development type cycle where I'm trying to build up because I, I haven't. You've got the number of ships you're allowed and the total number of ships you can have yeah. counter, and I've nowhere near filled my capacity. So I'm basically slowly building a really massive fleet and hoping that doesn't trigger them into attacking me before I'm ready. I want to. Conquer someone. You do know that their freighters outpower you. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, but it's interesting because you've got different types of stellar empires. Well, there's the ones that are essentially mirror, mirror, mirrored versions of the player. They had you know, small upcoming expansionist types, but there's. It also spawns in some quite some really powerful but decadent and uninterested empires as well. So you're, you, as soon as you meet them, they're massively, overwhelmingly more powerful than you, but they're quite unlikely to actually do okay. anything about it. So you know, there's different sort of tech tone to the, the the races you encounter you encounter yeah like i say these primitive civilizations you can grow up some of them have only just arrived up so sometimes you'll come across one system empires that are really really weak and i haven't come across any of those within my reach yet which is a shame but um yeah so you've got the the sort of basic you know t- it's, it's real time which is interesting it's not click button for next turn there's yeah. a basically a pause and play button and things tick along at a sort of fair old rate i think it's like one day a second or something and it steps through the years and months like that research is interesting that's not the usual open up the window and ah, there's the huge tech tree you know and there is the technological victory button at the very end of it what you've got is you've essentially got three types of research there's uh, physics engineering and society and then you appoint three different scientists to, to lead those departments and then each time one of those uh, one of those departments completes a tech it opens up a little window with a, ch- a choice of different texts, different costs and okay. so on. And I, I can't see anywhere where there is a big chart that shows what leads to what leads to what. It seems to be more that the technologies are being randomly handed out as a kind of loot-type mechanic. It's weird. It's because you've got the normal sorts of text and they all come in at different costs, but every so often one of the available choices for a particular branch will have a purple name. <laughs> thought, oh, raid loot. Hang on, what? Raid loot as, as a technological, a civilizational advance as a concept there. But So that, I don't know. And also there does not seem to be the standard transcend into beings of pure energy technology victory there the, the the victory conditions you've got domination conquest and federation essentially so you obviously exterminate everyone else you win if you're if you have more than x percent of all the colony colonizable worlds in the galaxy you win that yep. victory or if you are in a, a federation with this many other empires then you win uh-huh. but there's, there's no research the bejesus out of everything and become super beings type victory which is a shame because that's usually my favorite 
usually usually I sort of adopt a policy of just hold everyone in a kind of status quo while I get on with the science and then yeah. eventually pff, I'm off, you know, you can have this galaxy, I'm out of here. But that doesn't seem to be an option, so it does sort of force you to interact and react with, with the other empires in some fashion or another to get any kind of victory out of it. But I, it's, it's, a, it's a very long-running game, quite slow-paced, but very, very detailed as it goes. And I, I love it. I'm, I like the science as well. You've got science ships which go out and explore. They're the ones that are essentially surveying, so they're, they're, they're finding out what's in each system and so on, which is important generally as well. But often they'll find anomalies, you know, the usual sort of, we found a weird thing, we're going to do some science on it. And those those are quite interesting. Some some of them are quite, you know, just one-off. Oh, we found a, an ancient alien freighter wreck in a planet. It's given us this much research points towards whatever. Some of them seem to sort of chain on little mini stories. And some of them, are, I think, are tailored to the particular races as well. So the, the Commonwealth of Man, the Red Human Empire, they, they, their little mini backstory comes in forms of little text blocks as you, as you sort of play through. And um, they, apparently they it was a colonising wormhole ship that disappeared from Earth and, okay. and turned up somewhere halfway across the galaxy and they've basically formed their own empire based on wormhole technology and so on. Um, but sort of very early on during the research, you're starting to find re- clues about the other colony ships that were sent at the same time. And there was, a, I think there's a mission where you had to go out and find and recover five probes that had been sent out during a much more naive age, full of, <laughs> full of your, like, you know, postal details yeah. and biological data. A bit like Voyager 1 and 2. We're going to have to go <laughs> and get those at some point in the future, I think. That could be a problem otherwise. Big gold disc with a, we are here and here are our biological weaknesses you can conquer us using this this and this sorts of music you know i think we're going to have to go out and get them i think this is just a <laughs> just asking for trouble but so there's and they sort of form a series of sometimes they'll form a series of chained missions as well like there'll be uh, particular vanished precursor races and you'll find hints of them and then you'll be given more missions to go off and try and find the other six or seven relics that belong with that empire and then that will then send you to their home world and you can do more research so you get uh, i don't know if it's narrative in a, in a real you know typical video game storytelling sense but there is a sort of uh, there has been a, an attention attention to lore and detail and background that does create a convincing feel that this is not just a randomly generated star map and off you go and conquer it you yeah. know you get the sense that there's the, a kind of un- a galaxy there there's a history and so on even if those little fragments have got you know cut and paste names in there each time the names change but you know the missions look the same it's quite. It's yeah. There's enough intricacy going on. See, the thing with one of these games is is it's all about keeping player busy. You got to have lots to do, especially if it's this one's. This one in particular is a real time one. So you push play, and then you'll sit there. And if you have to sit there and wait for twenty five minutes for anything interesting to happen, that's not much of a game, you know. You can, but no, you, you're directing the ships around. You've got lots of little uh, pop up notifications of things happening. You're managing colonies and so on. It does an interesting thing with sectors as well. You start the game only being able to control three planets but you can substitute a planet for a sector and a sector is basically you use the interface to declare a group of planets as a sector a group of the planets you own that then gets one governor and has a a kind of semi-automated AI internal management after it scales up yes yes exactly so that whole sector will then theoretically take care of itself but you can still manually intervene on a planet by planet basis if you like but that then because looking at the size of a you know I'm playing on a normal sized galaxy map and there must be about two or three hundred stars on it and you know you can go to enormous sizes yeah. on the game setup and being having to micromanage each one of those individually gets you get you really start to bog on bog down and that's sort of the pro- problem with this kind of master drawing gameplay is it, the turn one you'll set your science going and then you sit there and yeah. Right, you know, I'll go and get a cup of tea whilst <laughs> yeah, 250 years pass whilst, you know, things happen. But in the later stages of that game, you can't press the next turn button. You press the next turn button and that will then present you with about 30 minutes worth of admin tasks yeah. to do before you can press it again. So, you know, the sort of time advancement really, really slows down the more things are happening. But with this whole sector system, I think that takes the edge off because they start to become sort of autonomous management it's that the number of sectors you can manage still goes up over time anyway but eventually you're going to be in a position where you've got like two or three hundred colonies and you know trying to keep track of all that while still essentially enacting some kind of long-term over plan gets quite complicated so there's a lot of nice features in this game i like it a lot 
Uh, I'm a bit dubious about their business model, though. There's a ton of DLC for this thing. You can quite easily... Yeah. S- I got the base edition because I don't know the game at all, so I didn't get any of the... I didn't know if there was a Game of the Year version or whatever, but even that's not... I think there's a new one out at the moment, Synthetic Dawn, which I think adds a whole load of robot empires and robot that's stuff. That's unsurprising. Yeah. Well, there was one not so long ago that added a whole ton, ton of mega structure stuff, Dyson Spheres oh, okay. and things, you know. I mean, it looks like they're just going to keep cranking stuff out <laughs> for this thing, and they go for about $10 a go, and if you really love the game, game then yeah by all means why not get all the stuff and i think i might start getting a few but yeah you could probably quite happily spend 100 plus quid yeah to get all the bits of this one at a time it's it's that weird expansion sort of creep going on there but then it is such a captivating intriguing game i wonder how much of my fascination with this game is me because i i'm I'm such a sucker for grand sweeping space opera and my imagination will just go off on one and this (laughs) really does trigger all of that when uh, ultimately you look at it from a nuts and bolts mechanics view and and it is just stars and spaceships moving around and throwing dice against each other it's done in such a such a stylish way. The visuals are fantastic. The, you know, the, there's a lot of concept art and you know very good sort of artwork of the nebulas and star bases and stuff all going on in the background. There's you know the music's fantastic, and you just get this real you know clean, crisp sense of a future empire and destiny and and you know the species in amongst the stars and stuff. And it, it just sets me off. I love it. But yeah, well, how much? Yeah, as an actual game, how interesting is it? I th- I'm finding myself interested. Yeah, there are lots lots of interesting intricate ins and outs to explore. Certainly, and um, replayability. I, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I'm any good at it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because I've only had two proper goes at it and it takes a long time for, for your mistakes to become apparent it's yes. that kind of very long span game I mean I, I find myself just unable to pull ahead and pull away over these other computer empires, it's all on normal I've gone default difficulty settings I'm wondering uh, ultimately when you get past the, the grand space opera fluff and the look and the feel and everything, it is a series of, of algorithms which are ruthlessly optimised to maximise these stats and these numbers yeah. and that's the problem with a lot of these large empire builder games is the computer opponent is is just very very good at that basic basic game which is use your buildings and spaceships and outposts and mines to make these numbers go up as fast as possible yeah and if one of those numbers happens to be military strength (laughs) (laughs) and so you know whilst i'm twiddling about and enjoying and exploring the game the computer's just Pound, pound, pound. Yeah, it's just ruthlessly putting together an empire without making a single misstep, not 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 missing, not wasting a single resource or having to unconstruct things or anything like that. And then by the time you bump into them for real for a proper scrap, you you've been overrun already. You've already lost. I don't I don't like the idea that the the, the sort of empire management large scale builder game, yeah, and terrestrial versions as well. Your civilizations and ground, you know ground games and whatever. Anything where the computer is just hell-bent to optimise numbers, it's going to outperform you unless it's been given some artificial stupidity to to, to just give the player a a bit of a break. So, yeah, I don't know. But obviously I'm new at it. Perhaps perhaps I have to just learn how to play much better, get good and so on. But uh, even so, even so, I'm still enjoying it, even if it is a bit frustrating trying to work out how to break out, you know, pull away. Because usually in these games, you, you build, you build, you build, and then you get your first war. Yeah. And assuming you survive that and win, you've then got two empires... Yes, and then it gets a lot easier because yeah. everyone because on a, on a level playing field, all the other empires, unless they've been killing each other and doubling up as well, you start to pull ahead once you've conquered your first serious rival. But I haven't really managed to break that yet. I haven't worked out how to get pull pull ahead and make the, the big advantage. And usually I do it through tech, but the, the tech's different in here and not quite as as easy to just pull away and turn into its main game. But yeah, anyway, Stellaris, very very. Very good game, very slick, very polished. I can see why it's so popular. Yeah. And, and yeah. I probably will end up suckering for a load of these DLCs as well. We'll see. <laughs> I, have to, I have to get familiar with the basic game first, though. So, yeah, that's what I've been basically doing most of the week. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, just one more turn. Oh, God, is that the time? Yeah. Yeah, only there isn't a next turn button. You just sit there and it will keep going forever. Yeah, it's good stuff. Sounds like a prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Over to you. I have been playing a short game. Oh, yeah. Basically, a game short story, in fact, uh, by uh, Mike Biffle. Okay. Which is Subsurface Circular. Subsurface Circular. Which is basically the story of a robot detective effectively sitting on the central line, (laughs) uh, going around uh, and chatting to people who sit down next to him. Oh, what, on, a, on an underground train? On an underground train, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a to... circular line. Mm. All the stations are named after computery things. Yeah. And you basically get to talk to the robots that sit down near you. Wow. And from that, 
a story ensues. Yeah. And because you're a detective, you start investigating something. Can you imagine trying that in real life on the circle line? You get murdered. <laughs> you get murdered. <laughs> so, uh, you... you uh, it's, it's limited to one location. Yep. All that happens is robots walk in and sit down. It's mm -hmm. all 3D and looks yeah. really lovely. But... Single viewpoint robots. Well, they're, they're all getting on the train and yeah. they're getting off. All right. Yeah. And uh, then you click on the icon above them and a little chat window comes up mm -hmm. and you have a chat and there's options in the chat for talking. So all the controls are basically through just a chat interface. Okay. And as you go on, you got the, the normal, you get to your point of conversation and there'll be a couple of normal options. But down the bottom mm. in red are these override keywords which are plot points you can investigate okay and so you're you always know it's one of those games where if you were to just spam all of the keywords yeah you'll get through it no matter what <laughs> okay because <laughs> you know everything you need to ask about and it's just a chat so you can't really miss anything as long as you hear everything yeah and uh and so this adventure uh progresses you learn many things and um He's very clear he doesn't want people talking about what these things are. Right, yeah. I'm enough. not entirely sure the story's good enough to warrant the... Uh, please don't spoil it that much. <laughs> I say, it'd have to be quite... A, I don't know, just the idea of trying to tell a beginning-middle-end narrative-gripping thriller through the medium of random people who get on and off your subway train. It's, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. You know, it works. <laughs> OK. Yeah, because you end up talking to people and then the next people you talk to may know a bit about the thing or let you know about something else. Yeah. And then you start to wish, oh, I wish I could have asked the person behind something, but you can't anymore. Oh, they're uh, gone. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and uh, yeah. Okay. So it's actually quite interesting. And does, interesting sort of puzzle it game. Really it really does yeah. work. It's only an hour or so long, hour or two long, yeah. which is good. It is, it is literally a short story in a game, which yeah, is yeah. nice. And it, everything about it is basically designed to cut the costs of production down. <laughs> uh, you know, one location, the robots are all lovely. It's all animated really well and everything and looks nice but there's only so many robots there's yeah. no voice work it's all read text in a window mm -hmm. and it does work a it simple works. idea executed well then yeah it works it. really well as an adventure yeah and one that you know it does demonstrate that you don't have to spend all the money on the planet to make <laughs> yeah, an interesting yeah. game 200 million or whatever and a staff of like 200 working yeah. for three years yeah oh, only 200 <laughs> whatever yeah mm. yeah it looks really good and does play really well there's no not really any replay value apart from at the end when when you've completed it you unlock the developer commentary mode <laughs> okay. which has you're basically there's you're sitting in one place and then next to you and across are the places where other people can stand yeah. and there's you know subway so it's a pole yeah and the, and in the uh developer's commentary version there's biffle bot holding onto the pole you can talk to <laughs> and ask stuff it's just quite nice <laughs> Uh. <clears throat> yeah, so so the developers. Is it just the one? It's the one set story. One set than, story. It's not like a procedural through. thing every no, time. One okay. set story mm. it always ends in the same way. Yeah. Um, don't want to spoil that. No, but enjoy uh, it for what it is. Yeah, and, and it yeah. is very enjoyable, and it is just a uh, okay. I'm going to unravel this mystery as to what's going on, mm. and I'm going to ask these people questions and learn something about this really interesting society of robots and. Why did the robots have a subway? And what's going yeah, on there? sort of exploration of the law as well as instead of yeah. a geographical location because yeah. you're only on one subway car the whole time. But and you go from station to station, but yeah. all that happens is uh, there's an announcement and people get on and off. Yeah, yeah. And funnily enough, you always seem to get to the next station just when you <laughs> finish the important conversation with someone. Uh -huh, yeah, odd that. Yeah. So you can't stuff it up. You'll just keep going. That's interesting because then you've got presumably this whole world behind the scenes, which is being relayed mostly through what you're asking. Yeah. These robots it does actually tie into all these other games as well okay <laughs> so there's points where continuity. thomas was alone is mentioned and um <laughs> volume as well uh. yeah no, it's really good i really enjoyed it and i uh, it's worth checking out okay what's well, that steam good yeah, games steam. No, <clears throat> just on steam i think okay uh it's not on consoles as far as i'm aware because it's just a cheap game yeah and consoles add lots of effort <laughs> uh so probably will end up there eventually so, yeah, it's well worth the play. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm going to talk about Elite Dangerous. Uh, uh -huh. We are still uh -huh. going there. Uh, well, uh -huh. well. Elite Dangerous. I've been playing that too. Have you? I've played a bit. Probably Please. say hello, come along or something. We, we, we 
Um, we were out only, and about on only Tuesdays. Only dead of the night. Okay, fair enough. <clears throat> um, but yes, so we've been doing various things various weeks. Uh, we had uh, the week where we went to look at the Guardian ruins. This, these are these are your, uh, <coughs> hold on. These these are your vanished precursor race who really don't get on with the Thargoids. We uh-huh. think. Yeah, if you take a relic from the Guardian ruins, now I've seen where that comes from, and plug, <coughs> plug it into one of the Thargoid machinery, that's when it goes and explodes. And yes, so so we think we think uh, Thargoids and Guardians don't get on. Fair enough. Uh, but there aren't actually, well, that we know of, any living guardians about the place. It's just ruins. Um, so we went and just, you know, <laughs> went online and searched and Googled for where the ruins are because we don't we, we do not do primary research, really. No, no. no. We are very much tourists. You better uh, do secondary research. <laughs> um, so we, we went to this world and landed on there and got the buggies out. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, was this another? Yes. Every, I've worked out every time we go somewhere in the buggies, I get there late because I like scanning all the stars and handing yeah. in the cartography data on the way. By the time I get there, one of the, one of the, one of my uh, fine upstanding group of compatriots has, has shot at the local system defence force in their buggy laser and now aggroed it all and I'm the only one when I turn up who's in a spaceship that can fight it so basically everywhere we go they land get out in the buggies I arrive late and I have to shoot down some police and kill them then I can land my buggy and we can do whatever we think do I like I'd like to finish my session without a bounty one time that would be nice but I am a terrible space pirate yeah well murder hobo really I don't even do it for the for the cargo you know I just I just kill police. Interesting. I, I, get, I think I it's worse than that because they go you into doing it, so you're just easily led. I think I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that kind of malice at their door. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, interestingly, for for murdering a, a, a policeman in the course of his duty, I accrue accrue about a four thousand credit bounty. Isn't it all clones and things? I, well, I don't know. Uh, and there, but for for hovering longer than thirty seconds over somebody else's landing pad in a starbase, you're instantly executed and your ship is destroyed. Yeah. it's you know priority. It's, it's a strange universe, the the thirty three hundreds. Um, yeah, anyway, so we, yeah, we landed, we drove around. These Guardian ruins are interesting. They've got a whole load of triangular pillars in, in set patterns and grids yeah. along the place. And when you go near some of them, they light up with like blue blue triangular dot patterns on them, which is interesting. And if you scan them using your buggy scanner, you get various different types of data. There's actually a mission for uh, Ramtar, I think, one of the engineer people. You can It will give you a mission when you land at his base to go and get 12 different types of pillar data. Trouble is to get those. You need to go to three different sites. Ah. The... the the Guardian sites come in three different types. Uh, we only visited one of them, got some stuff from there, and got bored and wandered off. But those sites have various like casks and urns and things lying around the the pillars in the yeah. de- in the sort of you know vacuum desert of the uh, the plains. There, you, you can pick those up in the buggy, and then when you're carrying those and you go near some of these pillars, the pillars will light up and you can scan them for data. Then also there's like a, a big thing on a stick that comes up out of the sand and like glowing beacon thing which you can shoot off the top and take away. <laughs> and that's that's <laughs> the thing that if you plug it into the Thargoids base base crash spaceship thing it, it goes absolutely mental um yeah so that's that quite interesting quite kind of eerie kind of xeno archaeology xeno archaeologists will be the death of us all i've decided it's uh, you know going to going to million year old alien ruins and poking them with a stick i've always said that yeah uh, so I, I was part of the problem so that was nice uh, I think this last week we went to an abandoned base. This is some kind of ongoing discoveries and, and stuff. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. It's a place called Dav's Hope or Hobbs Hope or something like that. I got some video. And it was really good. It's, it's really intricate and detailed, laid out, sort of one-horse town type, Wild West type thing with all those like, you know, habit, habitation <laughs> pods all lined up along a main street with like radio type. And radio towers and masts and things quite interesting quite eerie as well and there's like mining things happening nearby and so yeah once i'd arrived and killed the inevitable aggro policeman um yeah. i landed and we had a little wander around you scan those different different buildings and you end up with six logs that detail a kind of terrified evacuation type thing and there's an evacuation warnings going on so some some terrible things happened there um <clears throat> but we we didn't really were didn't really discover what that was and instead spent most of the evening trying to fly under their big archway gate thing with the sign they got, they got like a sort of you know motorway sign with the the, the, the outpost name atop with the struts and it's it's about about three meters off the ground a big metal arch and were if you're fast you, and in a small ship i was going to say were any of you in a, a um, 
um, a Corvette or anything? Um, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we were trying it in various ships. I think the, the hauler managed to get under there at full speed. That was quite good. <laughs> the Imperial Eagle that we, that we tried it with, that, that's got the big sort of nacelles out on the yeah. end, and, and you can't seem to get under it without clipping one of the nacelles and spinning wildly and then blowing up. Okay. Um, that, that blowing up meant that then there was a big spaceship wreck that landed on the, uh, the, the ground near the thing, um, amongst all the other wrecks that we were accumulating, <laughs> don't think. And then I realised, because I, I was I was filming some of this in my buggy, watching people trying to swoop under it and getting blown up, yeah. I realised that the wreck is persistent and shared persistent, so everyone could see it. And if you drive your buggy into it, you can bump it along. Oh. So SRV football was born. <laughs> so there was a couple of us trying to shove, sh- trying to shove Commander Embryo's eagle wreck underneath the archway whilst, whilst Commander Embryo was coming in under a hauler trying to go through it as well. It was just mayhem. It's, it's nice that any game will... Uh, <laughs> End up as football. It was emergent gaming night. We would try. We did all sorts of crazy stuff. Then Destiny Two was football as well. I think he went away to go and get his Anaconda. You know, the biggest ship in the game. Because we think (laughs) it turns out the Anaconda doesn't fit. No, (laughs) but what it does do is wedge the first sort of twenty meters under the under the arch, and then the back his back end got caught on a radio mast behind, and he managed to wedge his Anaconda on their main street. Jets blasting away as he's trying to bounce it round and stuff, and we're all trying to nudge it with other ships, but uh, nudge it with asps and stuff. But of course, the Anaconda shields are far more powerful than the asps yeah. shields, so the asps <laughs> were just getting blown up trying to nudge it out of the gap. <laughs> oh God! Meanwhile, so while that was all going on, we then decided to see how far we could lift an SRV into space by bouncing, <laughs> landing it onto basically uh, use the little jets to the SRV to fly up and down. You know, yeah. and, you know low low gravity planet, and you got your jets so you can jump over gaps. If you jump on top of the on top of the, say for example my Diamondback Explorer and then I slowly ascend we got to about 200 I think we got about 800 metres I think oh, is our nice. current record yeah and then what happened? Well, the problem is, is that you can't... So if you've got the SRV on top of a ship, yeah. if the ship goes up, the SRV just goes through it and takes a lot of damage. Oh. Blows up, whatever, falls off. But if the SRV jumps and then the ship moves up a bit, so you can... You can sort of keep doing that, and so that's what we were basically doing. Very careful, very careful rise, with, with, and if you jump, of course, if you've got a large flat ship like the Asps, very yeah, good for yeah. that, you know. Um, but yeah, so basically, you jump, and then the ship moves up underneath you. So when you come down, as long as the ship is stationary when it hits, you can keep going up like that. And we think if we can dig, we can do that for about another four or five hours, we probably could have got the SRV into orbit or to whatever <laughs> invisible ceiling exists. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's all sort of seamless physics engine stuff. I don't think the SRV's in a different state or session because you wouldn't be able to interact with the ships. Oh, you need to do this. You need to have video of it just in orbit and then submit it as a bug report. <laughs> I don't know if it actually works. I, I mean, Zarenil was telling us about all sorts of other people in the community who've been trying this kind of thing. And I, I think I don't know if this is true or not, but I did hear about one story about someone who managed to get a buggy from one planet to another <laughs> because they had just a quirk of the uh, a quirk of the engine had sport made these planets. Very very close to each other, but I don't know how you manage to do it. The jets only last you like three or four second bursts, so normally you can get like 20 meters up and then yeah. come down again. But yeah, yeah. So, um, meanwhile, I think there was probably something terrifying about the abduction of colonists from this base that we were meant to be investigating, but we kind of got sidetracked a bit. Interestingly, though, uh, our, our Googlings around produced a, a Google Docs spreadsheet prepared by the community and updated, which contains just a massive list of interesting one-off structures. Ooh. In, yes. yes. I like it. So the problem with Elite Dangerous is it is a massive, massive universe. It's essentially a one-to-one scale model of the Milky Way, and it essentially could not be populated by a handful of interesting stuff, which is what perhaps one of many people... Many people have that as a primary complaint about Elite Dangerous. It's boring, it's all the same, there's nothing to do, it's all empty. Well, yeah, but it's the size of the Milky Way. Yeah. <laughs> literally, it's literally tens of thousands of light years across in virtual form. But so that means that, uh, and it contains that many stars. I mean, it, I, they haven't placed all the stars yet, but presumably when people first go to it, no, I don't know, the star map has them all on. I think they're all automatically placed. By, yeah, yeah, but they're procedurally generated yeah, by an algorithm. algorithm. There, there was a system Obviously, people built. haven't gone in and put them in one at a time, typed in their characteristics. They, you know, they, started, it's, all, it's all generated. I out. started watching a video of how they did it, but the video crapped out. Yeah, I think they had some dev stream or something yeah. talking about. The, the, the science and tech behind generating their, their world map fascinating stuff apparently but but so but obviously that means it's not going to be full of you know interesting quest hubs like like Mass Effect or something no, in, no. In, in even Mass Effect one and you know most of the Mass Effect games there's a lot of very generic planets you can go to where nothing much happens there's only I mean Mass Effect 1 I think there's only four planets that contain thrilling story based stuff and the rest of it is you know <laughs> just procedural as well so so finding interesting things is if, if, are actually few and far between 
screen. So when some, so you know, when someone comes across one, they add it on this spreadsheet. We nice. go and have a look. So we got quite a lot of number leads on the large space asteroid bases and yeah. the yeah the close quarters combat stuff. This sort of arena little oh, mini yeah. mini yeah. ship fighter thing. They they do that in special arena sort of instance, but the actual. You know the the space stations and structures they, exist that, in, they do yeah. exist out in the real yeah. game as well. So we can go out and find them and try and wedge an anaconda into a tunnel that's only about that big. So that'll be good. You know, and it's just interesting things to go and see and play around with. I mean, there's there's tourism within the game in in context as well. There's like beacons where you know the first first warp yeah, drive yeah. was invented, etc. This, you know, the, the solar system, Earth system, is is full of them. You know, there's all sorts of beacons out there, and you can there are there's actual passenger missions where you're you're you get paid to take tourists to these places in your big tourist yeah. kitted ship and so on. But you know, and they're interesting enough, but just interesting freeform places to go and have a look at. I mean, they're adding them more and more as it goes on, as the game matures and continues to run. They'll add more and more interesting and unique things. But obviously, to to begin with, you have to lay the groundwork with a massive procedural generated universe full of not much interesting yeah. uniqueness so so yeah we're gonna probably use that spreadsheet as the basis for our our adventures going forward for the next couple of weeks certainly just to go and have a look at some interesting things and cool. of course you've always got the various community goals ticking along as well we, we chip into some of those mostly just to keep keep ourselves in in rebuys for exploded eagles and so on <laughs> but um yeah good times i'm enjoying it a lot but probably not in the way they expected us to <laughs> we'll make our own entertainment thing that's that's fine too so yeah still playing that it's good cool Enjoy it. I shall talk then about a game called Yorkshire Gubbins. Yorkshire Gubbins? That's the actual name, is it? Yeah. Right, okay. It is a point-and-click adventure game which looks awfully like scum but very, very pixel arty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so LucasArts' old 90s style. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah but very, very, very low res pixel art. Okay. Which has a really quite nice effect. There's a little glow on the pixels, which looks quite cool. Yeah. It's basically, again, a series of short stories. Mm. Can you spot the pattern here? Yeah. Of uh, adventures, of which the first one is out. Okay. You buy it and you get them all, but they're going to be released every month or so. Okay. So you buy a sort of season yeah. pass thing. Of hour-long adventures uh, in this um, Yorkshire town, mm-hmm. which has robots in it and... Um, <laughs> slugs cloning people and things like that right okay yeah and it is a humorous game if you had to guess well yeah with lots of yorkshire accents uh-huh. and in the first one you have to find your special meat which is in a package <laughs> wrapped up package of special meat uh, <laughs> a league of gentlemen reference. yeah very it's a, definitely uh-huh. a league of gentlemen reference. right uh, um, which has gone missing so you can make your pie and win the pie competition right and then it goes on from there okay uh the humor is quite good it has made me uh most amused on a couple of times, even in just in the first episode. Oh, and there's a tutorial as well, which has been made available for free on the web, which basically talks you through tutorial. How the, yeah, talking through how these verb systems work. Because <laughs> uh, kiss today or something. Kiss today have never played the Secret of Monkey Island. No. Something, something, something. Avocados. Yeah. Um, I like it. There's very few avocados in the shops at the moment. I've noticed. It's really annoying. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, must be the millennials. I don't, ah. I, I don't get the avocado thing. Avocado toast, it's lovely. Anyway, stop distracting me with avocados. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so it, it's literally scum. You you have your um, nine verbs. Mm-hmm. Little grid. Head count. And on the right, you have your items. Can you name them all? In this case, smell isn't there. Uh. No, yeah, it, it's give, talk. Look. Look. Use. Uh, use. Yeah, all those. Open, close. Open, yeah. I can't remember them all. Either, no. Anyway, <clears throat> all of the ones you'd expect are there. Yep. And you get given items. You go, you're basically going through looting the entire world um, and then trying to use items on items to get your way through things. <laughs> you tend to get told off if you try that in real life. You do. Um, there don't seem to be any particularly bizarrely hard puzzles in this one. Okay, it's all the hardest. Logical. The hardest one is <clears throat> that's what we've lost. The proper moon logic. Yeah, there's no real moon logic. The hardest one is doesn't make any sense until something happens. Okay, and then oh, how do I get out of this? Oh, hang on. Ah, yeah. Well, um, that, that kind of that moment can be satisfying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the, the puzzles are good. The humour's good. It's fully voice acted. This one. Oh right, which is good. Um. Uh, Yorkshire accent must be quite difficult to convey in text-only form. Yeah, you'd think so. Mm. Uh, and uh, well, all, all the text is in a proper Queen's English, and then the, the voice actor is in Yorkshire. <laughs> Something troubling. Oh, no. Close it. Quickly. 
and yeah, there's there's Yorkshire references, which I assume confuse people as well. Mm. Um, so some of the voice acting is outstandingly good, but some of it feels like maybe it was done by people in front of their computer. <laughs> maybe yeah. dev staff. Yeah, not classically trained. Actors. I don't know. Um, I, the best thing to compare this against would be um, thingy, um, Thim- thingies, Thimbleweed, Thimbleweed Park. Park. That's mm. the one. Yeah, that's the closest thing to compare it with, and it's definitely not as good as Thimbleweed Park. Okay, at the moment because they've only got one bit of it. It mm. doesn't feel quite as polished. If you're playing on a really large monitor, the fact that the pixels are so large in the <laughs> pixel art is a little bit annoying. To Can't be hit you over the pixel size. Yeah, they, yeah. I've got a massive monitor, which is yeah. quite high resolution because mm. I like to edit videos and that do coding and things. Pixels. Yeah, so the pixels are literally that big. <laughs> and uh, it's a little bit distracting. It starts off in a window, and I think playing it in a window might actually be better, but I don't like playing games in windows. Mm. Yeah. But uh, the game, assuming they keep the quality up for the next set of adventures, when they come out, there's going to be six or so in total, I think. Mm. I think it'll be well worth um, taking a look at. I'm not sure it's particularly a good idea to take a look at it now with only one adventure out. Yep. And I have that constant fear in the back of my head of, I'm going to forget this game ever existed is this a next wait, week. Is this a wait for a Game of the Year full season edition type thing? It might be, think? but then again, do you, by doing that cut the funding for funding the other bits well, of yes, this game yes you do but is that your problem yeah <laughs> is that our problem that, as consumers that's a good question they decided to release it in weird piecemeal form yeah. it smacks of early access to me to be honest but it, i don't know it, yeah but as long as these do come out semi-reliably and not i should say on the telltale games uh oh gosh yes i need to actually play that i got tales of the borderlands free with oh, some, so i else. got that free or something else yeah. a while ago as well no, i haven't started it yet. i've installed it I, i've never played a telltale games game Haven't before. you? no not at all wow. none, of, none of them so i know I, 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 I get the impression that they're not really the same sort of thing as the monkey island no. types thing at all so it'll be interesting to you see you play yeah. the telltale monkey island game uh really yeah uh, no. yeah no well uh, yeah yeah so you i should play the minecraft i one. shall play i shall play the tales of the borderlands because that's the one i've got and i shall try and use that as the basis for just because they are pretty much a genre all of their own aren't they they're pretty much the same apart same from kind of thing. some offer a bit more control than others and they have changed over the mm. time well i'll have yeah. a go and I'll, I'll report back to you all yeah but um yeah yeah but um yorkshire gubbins yorkshire gubbins yeah. very good it's only a couple of quid it's worth it i think but you might want to wait for a couple more months hmm. so that there's more than just an hour's worth of gameplay in there okay fair enough Cool. Um, I'm going to talk about Warframe briefly. Um, okay. So they've they've done a big announcement. So they've I think it's something to do with their console release because it's all it's available for the PS3 as well. Yeah. Possibly other console. I don't know. But I believe it may be on Xbox. Maybe, but um, I'm sure it's PS3, not PS4. <clears throat> oh, four. Probably Is it four? Yeah. <laughs> We're up to four now. <laughs> I'm bluffing about consoles. And Xboxes Check are down out. to one. Wow. So the P- mm. oh no, it was one, but now it's the. 10 so Sony stealing them from Microsoft yeah. is that how it works literally that is how it has yeah, worked yeah. Sony has stolen from Microsoft <laughs> that is literally how the player base has worked it's gone down <laughs> and the other one's gone up at the same time which is not a coincidence <laughs> um, yes anyway so they, they've done they've released Planes of Eidolon which is the big open world it run around de- uh, sort of hills and valleys thing I was talking about the other time that's yeah. that's available for the console now presumably they will be beta testing it on the PC audience like they usually do for this kind of thing um, and to celebrate that they have got a promo code uh, that you can type in. If you back, I probably should put a link. I, I put a link in the Slack channel. You can find it there. But um, yeah, big, big uh, yeah. promotion for our little community there. But yeah, so you basically type in this code in the redeem code bit in the in-game shop and you get a free gun. And with it comes a free weapon slot for the gun. So it doesn't take up any of your existing weapon slots, the ones you need to buy for platinum normally. And that gun also has the Orokin Catalyst on it. Okay. Yeah, you know what that means, don't you? No. <laughs> um, prizes? No, <laughs> prizes, yes. Well, so basically, your your weapon has a capacity of 30 mod slots, usually, okay. once you've fully levelled it up. If you add an Orokin Catalyst to it, that goes up to 60. And that's already got one already ah. applied on it. So basically, it's a double-powered gun that comes with its own weapon slot. Oh, nice. And it's, it's called the Vectis, and it is a real beast of a sniper rifle. It's one shot, but the reload is so fast that you don't really notice between shots, and you can reload while zoomed still. And it really, yeah, just straight out of the box without even modding it. It's, Are you it, it using it on everything? 
yeah. I'm using it on everything. It's my best gun ever now. Um, well, I had the Volcar previously, which is given out as a mission. The blueprint for it's given out as a mission reward for defeating the end boss of like Venus or Mercury or something. You get it relatively early on, but that's a five-shot sniper rifle, and it takes a bit of work, yeah, a bit of getting used to. But this thing, this thing's fantastic. It's an almighty bang when it goes off as well, completely like echo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I've still managed to put the silencer on, and it still makes that noise, but no one can hear it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, so if you're even remotely interested or dabbling with Warframe at the moment, go and have a look for that code. You can probably find it on their forums, quite heavily signposted. Google is a fan. It's valid until mid-February, apparently. Wow. Yeah, I know, so you've got a while. So, but yeah, um, just, just a free weapon slot is nothing else, even if you just then go and delete the gun. But it is a really useful, really handy sniper rifle if you're into that kind of gameplay. There's effectively a monetary value against it, because... Yeah, it's a well, free I weapon think, slot, yeah, so you weapon slots. I think that. you get four weapon slots for twelve platinum, and I think you buy like fifty platinum for about five quid. So it's just a small amount, yeah. of, but you know that is yeah exactly a kind of monetary value. It's, it's in addition to the weapons you also want. So, so yeah, good. It's just a, a thank you and a, a, a well done to, to the community and stuff. They they seem like quite a decent community people yeah. you know you know you, sort of, you get the impression like well, yeah, pretty much any any ea game but you know they get the impression that a lot of mmo mmo companies tolerate their customers rather than uh, celebrate them but yes i have got that impression over the years <laughs> I, I did i don't tend to see nearly as much uh, rage or, or, or ire from the, the warframe community they seem to be on board with the, their 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 developer and vice versa so so that's good um i started a clan Wow. Yeah, I'm the only one in it now at the moment. It's brilliant. It's cool. Have you told the others that you started it? <laughs> I've mentioned it. Well, there seem to be a couple of people on our Slack channel saying that they picked it up and were having a look at it and seemed to be quite impressed with it so far. So I thought, oh, right, so let's probably have to set up some sort of guild type thing then. So I've set up a clan. It's uh, it's called How to Murder Time because uh, five rounds rapid had gone. Really? I know. I, know. <laughs> I might join them. Uh, I don't oh. know who that is. But um, yes. Is it anyone we know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a free-to-play game, so pretty much all the names have already gone. Although, thank you for actually using our branding on something for once. Hey, I'm a team player. Um, yes, we got a dojo. It's one room. There's there's nothing in it. It's brilliant. But that opens up a whole crafting thing for additional rooms to the dojo, ah, and additional, additional furniture and stuff in there, and a trading post, which I think I can build. And that will then allow you to... Hopefully it's some kind of shared bank space to let the mods be swapped around. Because basically the mods are essentially a kind of lucky dip a bit like magic the gathering cards with your yeah. common and your own commons and stuff so if you end up with duplicate rares it's quite handy to be able to pass those around so yeah i don't know what we're going to do there's no static group night as of yet but uh it seems people are quite interested in the game in general so yeah. we'll see what we can do maybe there, maybe there'll be a night of the week to go with it all but um yeah just a bit of a, bit of a shout out there over to you what have you done oh have i got anything i i've got a modem <laughs> Got to moan at you, don't I? You got to moan at me. Yeah. Oh no, what have I done now? Inspired me to walk home. <laughs> yes, I saw you tweeting about that. Yeah. So you're you're a hiker now. I'm a hiker now. Yeah. I yeah. forgot I enjoyed hiking. Yeah. You should have come with me yesterday. No. No. I, I was on the video. <laughs> Dumped me in the middle of nowhere and then drove away <laughs> to find a. Find Did you a... see my geo? You uh, saw my geo, I guess, already. Yes. I blindfold him, uh, drive him to the middle of nowhere, let him loose, and he has to find his way home. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It can't be that hard in this country. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, I could give it a go. I suppose. Middle of Wales might be a bit tricky. <laughs> well, yeah, GeoGuessr, but on foot in, in real life. So I'd have to walk until I find a road, then walk until I find a sign. Or then... find a person. <laughs> Excuse me, what county am I in? <laughs> Where am I? I've come hiking by mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, and well, it's it's it looks good on paper, but there's a number of logistical issues. I think probably like why am I three days late for work? That kind of thing. Or also, um, I know I'm quite far away because we've just driven for fourteen hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a blindfold on, yeah. bundled in the boot. <laughs> not going to attract any suspicion <laughs> at all, is it? It's all right. It's Every something bump. we do. Ow. Uh, yeah. Um, no. Okay. So, uh, no, I'm going to carry on with the South Downs way. I did a bit more of that yesterday. It was good. Yeah. Uh, only a little bit yesterday. I, I totally missed, misworked out how far and how long it had taken everything, and I was done by half one. So. I thought it was quite short when you told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then the next stage would have been too long, and I'd been out in the dark in the freezing cold and stuff. So, yeah, swings well, around. Is, is being out in the light in the freezing fog freezing fog, better yeah. than being out in the dark in the it's freezing great fog. to be alive. Yeah. And you don't really appreciate that until you're nearly dead from exposure, yeah. I find. So, yeah, do your spill. <laughs> you can go to howtobeoutoftime.com where you can find all our previous episodes as we count down to the 200th episode oh of God. this. Oh, God. I've got to write a script. What are we going to do for 200? I don't know. Oh, 
pretend it doesn't happen. <laughs> Quit at one nine nine. Don't know. Uh, Implement a point build system. So next, so one nine nine, one nine nine point one, etc. Same coin did that already. All oh, right. So obviously, yeah. Anyway, um, you, we, you can also go to YouTube where you can catch all of our uh, video episodes of this and his walking videos and whatever I decide to come up with to fill in the off weeks coming up. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you join us in two weeks' time, we'll be back with more of the same. See you later. Goodbye. <laughs>